Hello, Montgomery County, and welcome to the OPL podcast with MCIU. My name is Brandon Langer, and I'm the Program Administrator for Instructional Technology in the Office of Professional Learning. And welcome to the fifth post of our series around SDIs in virtual environments. And I'm joined once again by Ms. Cassie Bruch. Hi, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Cassie, you want to give a little background in case anybody hasn't been on the series yet, what the series is about, the type of work you do, and what we're hoping to accomplish with our conversations here. Yeah, so I have been both a regular teacher and a special ed teacher, specifically in emotional support, um, and then I was a instructional coach. And so one of the things that I did as an instructional coach was work with our induction program and really help new teachers get started. And I feel like these conversations are ones that are often missed by new teachers because we hear about it before, but it's not relevant until you're in the classroom. So I'm really enjoying these discussions and how we can apply them to classrooms today. And one of the topics that has come up in at least two or three of the conversations has been around accommodation and modification, which seems very elementary to this conversation Mm -hmm. around SDIs. But just re-hit that really quick because I think it plays a very important role in today's conversation around student work. Yeah, so remembering that accommodations are in the how, not in the rigor. And so we're leveling the playing field. Our students are still accessing that general education curriculum, but in their own ways. And so we're changing kind of how we're doing it. Whereas a modification, we're changing what it is. You know, we're changing that whole playing field. So we went from a soccer field to a basketball court, right? So it's totally different in that it's meeting the students' needs, but they're not at that same level to access that general education curriculum. When we're talking about student work, it's really important to know the difference between that. Yep, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons why that's so important is that now we're putting the output, the the learning and, and response in the hands of our students, which is what we should be doing as often and as frequently as possible. Mm-hmm. But how we do that as teachers, whether that's a tool, whether that's a strategy in, in whatever case, whether we're trying to accommodate or modify just really becomes essential into how we intentionally design the use of tools and these supports. So when we're talking about student work, you know, what does that look like in, in addressing SDIs in this environment as it specifically relates to student work? Yeah, and I think it's important to know that we want our kids to be successful in what they're doing. And so whether we are accommodating or modifying really matters. And we have all these new digital tools to use, But we need to know how we're using them and we need to know the attention behind them. And we need to be clear in that with our students because I can put the same tool in two different kids' hands and get a totally different output because one of them I am accommodating them and the other one I am modifying it for them. And so if we want our students to analyze a piece of text, we can have them respond by writing. We can have them respond through a dictation tool. We can have them respond through video. But they're still doing that same analyzing skill at their level. Same grade level text, same grade level vocabulary, same grade level analysis that we're looking for from them. But the tool that they're using is different. So their output and how they're doing that is different. If we're modifying, we might be changing the text that they're using. We might be asking for less rigor in their response of the analysis. But I could still do it through writing it, through dictation, and through a video response. So it's really important as the teacher to be clear on that and to be clear with your student on that and to make sure those expectations are all laid out from the beginning. And at the end of the day, we're meeting our students' needs so that they are successful. Nothing's a gotcha. Nothing is making it so easy for them so that they do it. We really want to make sure that they're getting that skill that we're working on in the way that's right for them. Mm -hmm. 
and and something you said before in a previous conversation we had on the side was we don't want to over accommodate if we mm-hmm. don't need to. We don't want to modify if we shouldn't be uh, doing that. And that's where I like what you said about intention mm-hmm. and just being very clear both in w- our practices and the tools we select, but also our directions to the students about what it is we're expecting of them mm-hmm. seems to be really important here. Yeah. And recognizing like student choice in that, right? We know as ourselves, as adults, what our preferred methods is or things. And it might change based on the content. There are books that I'd rather listen to versus books that I'm reading because I'm highlighting and I'm annotating. If you looked at my you know, iPad right now, I have a book open in Kindle, I have one in Audible, and then there's probably a hard copy of a different book sitting next to there. But I know what's my preferred method based on what I'm reading. Our kids are the same way. And sometimes it changes based on their mood. Maybe they're super tired today, so listening to something is better for them. And so their response might be better if they're talking it out versus writing it out. You have to think how many times we saw kids that, you know, broke a finger or (laughs) broke their hand. They can still give us the same output, but we're meeting them where they're at at that time. And student choice is so valuable in getting what we want out of them. We want them to be successful. We want them to enjoy school. If we're looking at all this UDL stuff, the universal design for learning, student choice is a big part of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and as is accommodating and as is including and, and all mm-hmm. of those other ideas around UDL become super important. And what I love about this series that's really called to light to me as we've been talking in our conversations is how so many of these things are applicable to even students without IEPs, without mm-hmm. 504s, and how we don't necessarily need to wait until or rely upon there being a document saying we should be doing this Mm -hmm. to know it's good practice. And that's Mm -hmm. been one of my best takeaways. If you haven't heard the whole series so far, um, these are very short podcasts, very short conversations as we kind of break down the uh, various SDIs and virtual environments. We've said before, this is not just virtual environments. These are also in brick and mortar settings. Uh, specifically around virtual environments, though, because we haven't really hit that specifically. I'm just curious, is, does this look any different on the student work side, or is it just basically those big points we've hit already in our talk here? A lot of it when we're looking at these virtual environments is all these digital tools that we have at our disposal now that we didn't before. And our kids, a lot of them know how to use it where they might not have two years ago. Whether they're a kid in class or they're a kid at home doing virtual learning that way, We have all these tools that we can use, but if we're not clear on our intention and clear on our purpose behind it and making sure that our rigor is where it's supposed to be, things can get a little muddy if we're not. And the student work becomes muddy. We we Mm -hmm. don't get back what we were hoping (laughs) to get back in the first place. And how often does that happen to all teachers? But even more so in a new setting, if you're a newer teacher in this environment, or if maybe you're someone coming back from the pandemic and you're trying some new things in your classroom, those, we've said this before, these are still virtual environments. They just happen to be in the four walls of the building. And we're asking students to to, uh, learn and engage and produce in that environment. We need to be very clear with what we're doing. Otherwise, we get back something that we weren't hoping for in in some instances. (laughs) which has happened to all of us. And that's why, as Brene Brown would say, clear is kind, right? (laughs) And so if that's not at the forefront of what we're doing, it's not going to be clear what comes back to us. And the kids are going to think, well, that's what you told us. So it's really important to start with that in mind. I agree. So we have one post left in this series around uh, self-efficacy and executive functioning uh, to come up. And then we'll do a little wrap-up of this whole series. What in general could we look forward to in that conversation? Well, I think, you know, we've talked about this executive functioning as something that I think is so important as we're doing these virtual environments, thinking about tools that we use in the workforce and as teachers and in other capacities and teaching, explicitly teaching those skills to our kids. And that's what's going to grow them post-secondary. Mm-hmm. 
And then in terms of more information, our Learn Hub for special education has grown so much in the last couple weeks, even as this series has unfolded. So if you haven't gotten on there, um, our special ed content is really growing. Yep, absolutely. And as is all the content on Learn. If you're unfamiliar with what we're talking about, the MCIU Learning Network is available at learn.mciu.org. And it is from the Office of Professional Learning. We have uh, many hubs. Cassie just referenced the Special Education Hub. We have an SEL Hub. We have UDL Hub. Uh, We have some information around instructional technology and some uh, vendor partnerships. So there's just a lot of stuff up there. Feel free to explore. It's open access. Anyone can get to it. Our office is also on all the social media networks, starting conversations, uh, meeting people. So please follow MCIU Learns on Twitter, Instagram. And uh, anything else you want to share before we wrap up today? Nope, I think that's everything. Awesome. Well, thank you all for joining us. Cassie, thank you for sitting down again. We'll look forward to wrapping up the series here in a few weeks and hope everyone has had a wonderful return to 2022 and we'll see you soon.